Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. check for the Reds this past weekend as they lose in embarrassing fashion to Bournemouth after taking a 3-1 lead. The Liverpool over the past few years showed up and like we've said on previous pods we can't seem to shake it. That being said we are still third in the Premier League still just four points off the top of the table so on this episode of the Talk On podcast we're going to review the Bournemouth game give our seat indices and take a quick look forward at the West Ham game. But first let's see who we're talking to tonight we got Brian Painter and Jeff Hallett on Gentlemen on the on the coast, how are you guys doing? I could be better, Joey, to be honest with you. Um, still licking my wounds from the weekend. Um, it's only one day after the implosion, so. Um, but I'm glad to be here. Happy to jump in, and uh, hopefully we can uh, kind of exercise the demon to get back uh, back to business next weekend. Yeah. As for me, I'm on a leather couch. I'm laying back. Therapist coming in any minute. Yeah, it's a process right. for me. Yeah, it's, this one doesn't sit too well, especially the fashion no, lost. A normal Monday for you, Hallett. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. This is life in L.A. This is what we do. Watching the Tottenham game with one of my buddies who's a Spurs fan this past weekend, and we randomly just started talking about you know your top 11 in the Premier League. And I feel like that's a pretty generic question, but I wanted to put a little spin on it. Your top 11 in the Premier League, but each position has to be from a different team. So, for instance, this would be my starting 11 Pickford from Sunderland, he's he's had actually a pretty solid season, had a good game against us. I think he's going to be coming up along with Butland as a young English keeper that, that the fans seem to like over there. Coleman from Everton as my right back. Alderweireld, center back. Van Dyke, center back. And Adam Smith from Bournemouth uh, as my le- uh, left back. And then I would have probably Conte sitting behind De Bruyne and Pyatt. And then... My right winger would be Mkhitaryan, my striker would be Sanchez, and my left winger, I guess you want to call it left winger, would be Coutinho. So that, I think, is just a ridiculous squad right there, and you can kind of have De Bruyne and Pyatt you know, in the midfield moving forward if you have Conte being able to sit in front of that ridiculous defense. So, Painter, I don't know uh, what you have, though, but if every player had to be different, who would you have? Oh, Jesus. Um, this is kind of off the cuff because uh, uh, I didn't do much homework before this. Pod. So I would as usual. I would, it's okay, as usual. Yeah, no, as usual. It's 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 typical operating procedure for me. But uh, for me, I'd start at the top and I would put Benteke at striker. I would have Hazard, De Bruyne and Sanchez across the front line. Okay. I'd have Hendo and Conte in the holding. Oh wait, I can't have yeah, Conte because he's playing. Yeah, 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 damn it. Um, he's I'm gonna, I'm gonna, season. I'm gonna take Hendo and Allen. How's that, Joey Allen? There you go. Take Joe. I thought about <laughs> Joe for a second there too. I'm gonna take Joey Allen, and then uh, in the back, four goals this season, by the way. Yeah, no, he's playing well. In the back, I'll have Arnold. I think is a no-brainer. He's, uh, he's one of the best in the business. I, I've always liked Seamus Coleman, and I know that's terrible because he's an Everton player. But Seamus Coleman, <laughs> the other, the other center back, boy, no uh, one from Southampton yet. They got two good ones. Yeah, Van Dyke sounds good. A goodbye for me, 
And then my left, uh, my left back, since Milner's not available, the best left back in the league. <laughs> um, <laughs> although we're going to probably talk about that in a little bit. I, I want Smith from Bournemouth. I thought he played yeah. really well um, this week. And then in goal, um, I'm going to go Sanchez or not Sanchez, but um, Valdez from uh, from Middlesbrough. Okay. Interesting, interesting lineup. I like it, Jeff. You got anything? So, okay, in my 11, it was not easy to go through. <laughs> Clearly not easy. Non-LFCs, right? So Aguero is number one for me. He can score in any circumstance, any time, any weather condition. And then feeding him, you've got Coutinho. How could you pick anyone else but world-class Coutinho feeding him? And then you've got Alexi Sanchez on the right Shown yeah, to be just a filthy pretty effective three right there. Yep, yeah, pretty effective front three. And then feeding them for the link up play, you've got Pyatt on the left. I've got Pyatt on the left because you have to pick him. And Conte is a holding mid. Mm-hmm. There's no one better. And then uh, Sigurdsson, I've got on the right. Yeah, I thought about him for a while too. I, I'm a big fan of his. He, he, yes, yeah, you have. He's, he's yeah, it's almost like I could telepathically pick it up. <laughs> And then, then my back four, Luke Shaw. How could you go? You know, Luke has had a phenomenal season, so go go for him. Fine. Uh, Van Dyke in the middle because Liverpool highly covet Van Dyke. Please come in January, bro. Scott Dan, I've got next to him, completing the center back pair, and then I've got Leighton Baines from the Blue Shite on the right. <laughs> sort of rhymes. And then Loris as keeper. That's a nice Luis, little, uh, yeah, he's always French, so you have to, like, always, you know, oui, oui. anytime. So, yeah, I got Loris. Stupid American. So who do we have that was similar? We all had, well, we all had Van Dyke, I think, and we all had Sanchez and Coutinho. I didn't have Coutinho. I had Hendo as my Liverpool player. Oh, that's right. So we only had, I guess, Van Dyke and Sanchez was the only similar one. Um, you didn't have Conte, right? You had uh, Joe Allen and I had, I had Joe Allen. I had the oh, week Joe Allen. Interesting. So th- those are the only two players that were the same. That's You're the beard. Interesting. Anyways, I thought that was a fun little spin on it. Anyways, we're going to go ahead and move on. And Painter, I know it must have been tough to get interviews with the Irish American this week with how that game ended up. I think most people didn't want oh, a microphone in their face. But in general, how was the atmosphere? How was everything there? At 1-0, it was electric. At 2-0, it was, it was even better. At 2-1, it was kind of like, okay, um, we've seen this before. Let's go again. And then Sean pulls off the, the stunner. Great hit that over, was. Right? You think it's done and dusted, and we're getting out of there with three points. Everybody's happy and celebrating. And then a complete collapse, and, and basically it completely took the air out of the out of the pub, and it was not – it was not the same place, and, and arguably, it was extremely hard after the match to get any type of uh, interview from anyone. Nobody wanted to talk, but I did manage to squeeze out a few, and then I gave uh, a personal rant <laughs> on the walk home from the yeah, pub uh, to hear on my this. own. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, it was it was a good time as always, but uh, very slim. Uh, nobody really wanted to speak up, but, but we did get a few good interviews, and uh, and obviously uh, I contributed to my no- own nonsense. So, Irish American was at it again. All right, yeah, let's go ahead and hear some of those fan reaction in those interviews right now. This is Brian Painter with the FootballPurist.com Talk On Podcast. It's a real crisp Sunday morning in downtown Manhattan. The temperatures are in the low 30s. I'm on the way to the Irish American to watch Liverpool take on Bournemouth. 
here at the Irish American after Liverpool's 4-3 loss to Bournemouth. I'm joined by the football purist writer, Tyler Vinyl. Jillian Cape, just down South Manhattan, right around the bar, actually. What did you think of today's match? Oh, brutal stuff. Uh, another meltdown. Yeah, it reminds us of... We're all mortal. It was a good run, but a uh, tough day today. Uh, so obviously huge disappointment. Um, I, I just really hope we learn from this, and we've been having a great want, run. I think we only lo- we had only had one loss before this game, so um, I think we just got to learn to hold on games better. It was just like a full team crumble at the end, and we just got to be better all around. It's crazy. I know. A credit to Bournemouth, obviously, but I feel like it's just – that mentality, I don't know, you, they get one and then, you know, maybe it was a lack of, I don't want to say lack of leadership, but lack of, you know, enthusiasm, momentum, and I feel like we just maybe got to be a little mentally stronger and we got to, you know, it, I can't really point it on everybody. I know you, it's easy to look at, you know, little game, little, Lovering you know, carriers. yeah, like there's so many, Lucas. but in the end it's just, you can look from... You know, giving the ball away at the top to bad saves at the back to bad positioning. I mean, it was everything. So, how much do you think the injuries played in today's loss? They're, they're racking up, man. And you know, you look at the stats. This team covers more distance than anybody else in the league. They uh, they create more tackles. They create more turnovers than anybody else. They they move a lot. They run a lot. They're gonna get injured. They practice very hard. Klopp prides himself on that. Starting to wonder if that takes a little bit of toll on the players. We're seeing a lot of injuries stack up in pretty short order around the same time. How do you think Klopp set up? I mean, he he had to make some changes due to the Matip injury. Obviously, Coutinho's out. I think he. I honestly think he set up well. I was really happy to see Lalana. Um, I was funny. I was saying before it was like he came on and things changed for the worse. But I don't think that was a tribute to him. I think it was just bad coincidence. Um, um, maybe it would have been nice to see a little Woodburn, but I don't know. I feel like the game was a little too crazy, and I, I kind of, I know it, the result didn't seem like it, but I kind of, uh, I don't know what else more Klopp could have done. So uh, You know what? Lucas is an old head on this team. Vice cap, not vice captain, but I guess three removed from uh, from, Mil- from Millie. Uh, you you got to give him his games, but today showed maybe you needed a calmer head in the back. Who was your man of the match? I don't. I honestly, I would probably have to say Klein. Um, Klein. Yeah, I know that's okay. a. I know that's a different one, but he's always really solid. And I hate to point out things, but I felt like a lot of the penetration in the back wasn't necessarily on his side. I know it's everyone's responsible, but I felt like maybe if I had to pick somebody, maybe I think he had the most solid game. I'm gonna go the opposite and say my not man of the match, and I'm gonna throw out Carius. If I had to pick one player who God, really he was, he was really poor today. Shocking, and I know people will disagree, but I think you know we were told that Miggs Carius is supposed to be healthy competition. You gotta give Minule a game to make it a competition. Do you, do you, do you bring Minule back in next week against West Ham, or it ruins his? It takes all the confidence away from Carius. Goalkeeping is a very confidence-based position. We'll see what Klopp knows. What's right? <sighs> I'm walking home after Liverpool lost to Bournemouth four three. I don't usually do this, but I felt compelled to do. A little bit of a monologue on the way home. I just, uh, I can't believe what I just saw. Uh, the the team completely regressed to stuff that we saw under Brendan Rodgers where we get up, you know, a couple goals, we concede and let teams right back in it. We were 3-1 up. We could have easily have put four, five past them. Um, we ended up conceding. 
Uh, the penalty on a bad, bad play from Lovren. And then Carius, wow. He was he was shockingly poor for the entire match. I don't know where we go from here with Carius. Uh, I think you have to give Mignolet a second chance. Where do we go from here? Who knows? I mean, I think the, the team's got to get back on the uh, training ground. Uh, free focus on West Ham. We just got to regroup and uh, go back after it. These things are going to happen in a long Premier League season. Uh, they happen to every team. Uh, for, unfortunately, it happened to us today. And we're back to where we were uh, a couple uh, last season where, you know, we'd have a lot of ups, up performances and then a lot of down performances. Anyways, this has been Brian Painter on the thefootballpierce.com. Uh, hoping that we come ready to play against West Ham next week. We'll be back to you shortly. Thank you, everyone, very much for the fan reactions. I know it wasn't easy, and I know Painter, you had told me that you were not the biggest fan of Carius in this game, and I know you had a lot to say about him. I'm excited to, to, to listen back and hear you had to say, but let's go ahead and start just from back to front, guys, on this game and kind of how he performed. So we're going to go ahead and start with our keeper and definitely go straight to you, Painter, because I know you got some things to say. So not good enough, full stop. I mean, we bought this and listen, I, I don't want to slate the guy too hard because he's nine or ten games into his Liverpool career. He's 21 years old. He's got a lot of growing up to do. He's still, you know, learning the Premier League, et cetera, et cetera. But let's be honest. You come in as a goalie. It's not like the ball is different shaped in the Premier League than it is in, you know, in the Bundesliga. It's it's the same thing. It's Stop shots, keep it out of keep it out of the net, and you know get on with it. Uh, don't play anything fancy and just do your job. And he has been poor since coming in the lineup. And we we sat down Minulay, who, in my opinion, was having a pretty good season up until that point. Obviously, we know what we get in Minulay, but in the same respects, Karius has not been any any better or a are significantly upgraded over over Minule. And arguably his shot stopping isn't even on the par of Minule's. And what's the number one thing we want keepers to do? Stop shots. I get all the playing out of the back and the kicking and all this other stuff that he might be better at. But to be honest, I just haven't seen it. And three out of the four goals, and well, I'll say two out of the four goals because the 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 penalty shot is the penalty shot. And then the, the third goal is right in the bottom corner. So there's not much he could do with that. But the second goal, he jumps over and his hands are over the ball when it goes underneath him. So, I, you know, he should have easily got to that one. And then the fourth one, he completely spills. And now you can say it was coming in. It skips right in front of him. And I get all that. And listen, if it would have been me, it would have probably already been in the goal <laughs> from the original shot. But in fairness, you're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars to catch that ball. You spill it right in front. You don't even tip it around the bar, uh, around the, um, you know, to the end line. You just spill it right in front. And, of course, you're going to get punished against a team that had, you know, six, seven guys in the box waiting for you to spill it. So, for me, it's just simply not good enough. And I've got to be honest, I, I, I take him out of the – the lineup right now, and I put back Mignolet. And I know Mignolet is not the long-term answer, and he's certainly not going to be the goal, uh, the goalie that we want at the club. Uh, we, he's proven that for the last three years. 
But Karius is just looks out over his ski tips right now. We got to pull him back, take him out of the fire lines, similar to what they did with Moreno, similar to what, the, uh, you know, we've done with other players over the years. Give him a chance to settle down uh, and get his head back squirt, screwed on straight because he was just awful at the weekend. And you can argue that we've had a good run of form, three or four games, not conceding goals. Uh, and then we have one of these. And during that run, it, I don't think it was down to Karius being the guy that's pulling us out of the fire. I think it was down to the fact that we just were that dominant. We just didn't give up a lot of shots. It's not like he's winning us points right now. In an argument uh, at the weekend, he's lost us points. So I, I just I, I just think it's it might be time to take him out of the firing line and put Minule back in who you know is ready to prove himself. He's been a good soldier. He sat on the bench. He's made no bones about being the backup. He took it like a man. But you know if he gets a second chance, he's going to want to prove himself. And listen, if Saturday was or Sunday was any indication, he can't be much worse than that. So I, I just I, I think it's just time to, you know, sit carries down get his head screwed on straight and clear, clear the air a little bit, because I just don't think he's good enough right now. Yeah. Interesting take. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way that you do. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff, do you have maybe same view, different view, anything on curious? Yeah. A lot of people feel the same way, except for me. <laughs> I, I think you sit him down. I think you destroy his confidence and yes, he's young. He's 23 years old. But no, what confidence does he have? I mean, he's diving over balls. I mean, he gave up. Uh, sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I'm I, just fired. I'm fired up about it because I, I just get don't it. Think fired he has up. Any confidence. I'm fired up too. Depressed. Remember, I'm the couch. So 23 years old, and yes, I've heard all the commentary from Jamie C to all the pundits and particularly the public. Liverpool Nation on Twitter is, of course, slitting their wrists, and we got to pull him out. You know, it's like typical market reaction when, you know, you see a big drop in the Dow and everybody runs to sell their stock. Maybe it's not time to sell Carius yet. Maybe this is a teachable moment. Maybe this is something at Melwood where Klopp and his coaches can sit him down and rebuild that confidence and put him out there again against Ham, who has been struggling coming in, getting into more of this in the preview. At that point, maybe he will have learned something at 23 versus you put him back, you put Minule back in. So what happens like two weeks down the road, Minule goes back to being Minule, has you know a terrible game where he's kicking balls out of the bounds before the half mark and doing all the things that we've known Minule to do. What do you do then? Do you sit Minule again, which completely destroys Minule? And then you've got the kid with no confidence that you're going to throw back in. I just think it's it's tough hill to climb if we yank him immediately after that performance, which admittedly was horrible. But Jeff, if I may jump in, Joe. Yeah, uh, no, I want to hear what you have to say in rebuttal. <laughs> Listen, we're in a title run right now. We're 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 four points off the leaders uh, in Chelsea. Now is not the time to be you know playing you know, wet nurse to somebody's, you know, confidence. Like it's time to put points on the board and you have an experienced goalie in Minule who's been through the premier league with <clears throat> for the last three years with Liverpool. And then before that uh, he was at Sunderland. So he knows what, what to expect week in week out. He's been to the grounds. He's been to the stadiums. I, and again, he may not be, like I said, the long-term answer, but 
we can't drop or afford to drop any more points. And two of those goals were very savable, uh, if I'm honest. And I don't think I don't think now's the time to sit there and say, hey, listen, you know, I know you're just getting your feet under you and you're just getting comfortable and everything like that. Um, we'll give it another couple games. Another couple games, I mean, we could be out of sight if Chelsea keeps playing the way they are. So I just I, I don't think now's the time to tiptoe around the delicate situation that is Carrius. That's my only point because we're sure. we're trying to keep points on the board and keep in contention for a title run here in the second half of the season. And now's not the time to be, you know, trying to build up a youngster's uh, you know, confidence. Yeah, right. No, you remember about this time last year, we were calling for a similar move. Mignolet out, Bogdan in. Right? So if do not even players, compare Mignolet. Don't even no, compare Mignolet. I understand. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying going back to the temperament of Liverpool Nation, same time last year, they were saying the same thing about Mignolet. So you easily forget the sample size that we've got of him and what mistakes he's prone to and that he can also show games like this in volume. <laughs> so it, well, I'm just going to this one. Yeah, no, and you're salt. And salt I, don't, I, I honestly don't know if Mignolet is the guy. So we're on a title run. I, I I'll acknowledge that too. Joey probably would too. We're on a title run. You want to hang that mantle on, on Mignolet? You think Mignolet is going to win the title for you? But he's already been in one of those with us. His first, his first season, so he's got experience. Team, I I understand that, but listen, I I think Klopp has a really difficult decision over the next week, and our challenge for the title could hang in the balance on what goalie he picks, um, because he's going to have to stick with that goalie for the next handful of games. So I think he's got a real, and I don't envy him, and that's why he makes millions of dollars, and I don't you know, being a manager. So I think he's got a really tough decision because I don't think Carrius is, is, his confidence right now is completely shot in my opinion. Yeah. So the only thing that I'll say, and, and I like a lot of what you guys had to say, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm on the fence in terms of both your opinions. I agree with Jeff and I don't think he should be benched right now. I think we have such a small sample size of him that it's, we just, we overreact a lot. You know, Firmino didn't score his first nine games for us that we got him. And I now I know he wasn't playing striker, but his role was to, you know, provide goals for us. I think we need to give him time. I think he f- technically and, like, physically is a better goalkeeper than Simon Mignolet. He's still very young, and there's a lot of things that he needs to work on. For instance, Ali, the guy behind Football Purist, by the way, guys, you can find him on Twitter at Ali underscore FP. He actually had a couple of things that he wanted to say after the game yesterday and listed one as Carries will get used to the league. Already his distribution is an upgrade, needs to palm some of the stuff he's trying to catch. And that last part is what I definitely agree with is that his never, his strong suit has never been really, we as we know, coming out on corners and, and having a, a solid punch on him. Now he's working a little bit at that, but it's clear that one of the things that he has to work at right now is definitely not trying to catch a lot of the things that's coming his way, try and palm him to the side, try and get him out of the way, not back and play for, you know, Ake to come right back in and get. So, you know, if he's going to palm that, it just can't be right in front of him. Now I know it's, it's tough to say when the ball is, you know, coming that fast at you and we should have done a better job of closing it down in the first place. But, but what do you think Minule does with that? 
He palms it to but, the but side. Here's, I don't, you know, you, you can't say that because listen, Jeff <laughs> and Painter, I'm about to get to the point where I agree with you as well. But all I'm saying is that we know what Mignolet is. We've had the guy for three years. There's been ups and downs, but we know what he is and there is no consistency. So while I know it's early days still with, with Carius, I still think we need to give him time because I, I do think he can improve. And the, the part where I'm going to agree with you is that he just simply isn't good enough right now. I mean, that's just the bottom line is we brought him in. Yeah, the, re- as, the results are where they are. Right. I, I'm 100% I mean, on that. He's just simply not playing to what he should be right now, Painter. And so I completely agree, I agree with you on that sense. Listen, I'm not trying to say Carius isn't the long-term answer because I think there's – we've seen in the past with guys like DeHay who came in the league, had a yeah, – DeHay had, had a rough start too, you know? Rough so, start. So, but I'm saying right now, we're in a title challenge. That's where we I need to might keep, disagree with you guys, to be honest. We're, we, we need to keep pace with the leaders. And I understand we know, need to keep pace with the leaders. You see what I'm saying? But no, no, I, I get it. But what's to say that if Minule was in, he wouldn't be having some of these stinkers? Listen, Karius made a couple of, couple of nice saves yesterday because our defense wasn't good. I mean, he made a couple of nice reaction saves. He he's not been good. Bottom line, I'm not trying to defend him. Defend him. I'm I'm just saying I don't think we should be pulling him in favor of Minule right now. So unless he, like unless this choice. right like unless this form continues for the next I don't know three to four weeks where he's really not playing well by the new year, then maybe I can understand a substitution. In terms of his confidence, Jeff, I don't think it's going to kill it. Just for some reason, the guy is just a confident guy on and off the pitch. Whatever it is, I don't think his mindset's going to change really at all. Now I know. You know, really much from he, he's, he's, okay. I know he's young and things could happen, and you know maybe it could affect him a little bit. But in terms of just, he's just always been a confident keeper. I think he knows he's proven himself in the Bundesliga. Anyways, good points from both you guys. I agree with a lot of a lot of your guys' points. I just I think that we, we there's such a small sample size that we just got to give him a chance here and see if he can improve. And he's young. Goal, young goalkeepers need to improve on a lot of things. So let's go ahead and move forward now. The back line, guys. I, I know, I know, I know it's a makeshift line, and I know some of you guys like Lucas at center back, and there are certain qualities. Like oddly enough, he's <laughs> oddly enough he yeah. he is actually pretty good at aerial duels. Like it's he's not amazing, but for I mean for for some odd reason he's actually he's just not afraid to go in and and, and put his head in there. So he has a couple of things like he's calm with the ball at his feet, but he also, he's just not a center back. How Klavan isn't starting is a little bit beyond me. I thought he was going to take over that role. I know Klopp trusts Lucas in terms of, you know, making the right pass maybe, but except for obviously yeah, the lesser I mean, do you game. Think but, it, um, do you th- Joe, but do you think it's because Klavan plays left, his favored position is the left side as opposed to the right well, side? And... Move Dejan Lovren over to the right side. Either way, De- Dejan had, I, I don't want to, I want you guys to talk about him because I don't because of this pod <laughs> will go on and on and on and on. But I'm telling you guys, like every time he goes on a run of games where he's decent, everyone's like, oh, you know, he's improved so much in a club. Like, no, he had Matip next to him. All right, bottom line. He had Matip next to him, and when he plays with Matip, he does the basics well. And I think that's because Matip kind of knows what he's going to do and how aggressive he's going to be. But when he plays with anybody else, he's just not good. It's the bottom line. So that's all I have to say about him. I don't – I think he's – like I said, fourth choice center back behind Gomez and even, you know, Sacco's not here, but looking like we're going to sell Sacco obviously in January and hopefully bring in somebody. I don't think he should be near the first team. I've said that. I've made that obvious. Um, <laughs> that, that you have. But 
like, I, I don't hate the guy. I just, I'm not a fan of his and, you know, some of the off the field comments that he makes and, and such. So anyways, guys, let me hear about your, your back four. Milner didn't have the best game. What I will say on that penalty is like, yeah, he shouldn't have done that, but also Lovren headed the ball into the ground and then slipped. And like, Mil- like that ball could have been cleared before that situation even arose. So just in general, Hallett, how did you feel the back line did, you know, not including carries? How did I feel? How can you possibly feel about this? It was a, just a mess. Dumpster fire every which way. Milner, I don't fault for that penalty. I don't think anybody does. And I think it's Lovren's header to the ground. Sure, it could have been cleared earlier, but dude was just out of position all day long. And to your point, Joey, it's the effect of Matip. Matip was basically covering for all of Lovren's mistakes and being out of position and compensating for how aggressive he is. Just everything you said, that that is... He is the the perfume that has made Lovren tolerable this year. And his performances and clean sheets have come from that only because Matip was on the pitch. You take him off the pitch and you get the shambles of a defense like we had. And generally speaking, we were winning this through 73 minutes. Uh, goal line technology, I don't know if that was. the Palace game, to be honest. Not, well, not right. the importance of it, but just how it happened. But the concentration through like 71 minutes, 73, if you count the goal line technology bullshit, which I don't believe, by the way. Unbelievable. That, we, we'll talk about that. That, that, ball, that ball was in. It should have been 4-1 at 74 minutes. So, okay, fine. You don't allow that. But we just lost all concentration. And in the back was just in shambles. And the result is what it is because Lovren is incapable. He needs to be shipped out. And you don't put him on the bench. You don't put him anywhere. You just... Whether you put him off to uh, Gilligan's Island or pull someone else in and have Gomez back that person up, he just cannot be the solution. If you want to win the league, you got to swap him out, period, the end. Yeah, Painter, I mean, he has played better this season, and there's no doubt about that. Where do you stand kind of on him right now? And, you know, you can also kind of throw in a little bit of since Sacco is, Klopp's all but said he's gone for sure in the summer. We're looking to bring someone in, I would think, as a center back. I mean, does Dejan still start for you no matter who we bring in? Or do you see this as an opportunity to maybe have someone next to Matup who is a little bit more competent, should we say? <laughs> well, we all know how you feel about him, Joey. I <clears throat> Listen, I'm not. Lovren had a bad game. I mean, he went back, he regressed back to the major gaffes that he has uh, in his locker. He did he, that, that, that slip and the header into the ground. And oh my God, I, I was having flashbacks to when he tripped over the end line and the guy took the ball um, off the, off him on the end line and scored a goal against us to win the game. Painter, I swear uh, I'm convinced that every time he has an interview, <laughs> like with LFC TV or something that we lose after because it's always when he's on a good run of form and he came out and he's like, I think we're a smarter team now. I think we're a better team now. <laughs> and that yeah. And you're happens. more of an I idiot than I, ever. So <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, no, no, I agree with you, Joey. I, I just think that Lovren, I don't know what to make of him. Like some games he's plays out of this world and he's just, he's so commanding and stuff like that. But just a quick stat with, with Matip in the game um, in the, in this season, we, he's played 11 games and we've conceded nine goals. With him, without him, we've played three games and conceded nine goals. With Matip, he he might be that calming influence because I, I'll tell you what, when he's in that game uh, next to Lovren, they look really strong together. And I and 
it, it has to be down to Matip and his calming influence or just be, him being able to read the game better and, and, and talk him over the pitch and, and tell him what to do and where to be and maybe be a calming influence over him. Lucas, as much as I like Lucas in that center back role, and I've said this in the past, he played really well for the, about the first 70 minutes of that game, uh, just like most of the team did. And then he just went off the boil and I don't know what to make of it. I That team was good enough and that defense was good enough not to ship four goals uh, against Bournemouth, who, again, you know, played through their skin the last 15, 20 minutes of the game. But Lovren, to me, I think is a, is going to be an enigma for as long as he's at Liverpool, unless he's playing next to Matip. Uh, can we upgrade him? Sure. You can go out and get the next best left center uh, back in the league. And put him next to Matip and see how that works out. Uh, I, I think he's good enough to have our defense as long as Matip's playing next to him, uh, be in touch of, you know, talking about title contention. But again, I think he's he's always got a big gaffe in him at least every third or fourth game where you're just kind of scratching your head and saying, you get paid to play. How did that happen? So and that's the thing, Painter, right there, because like Gerard has come out and said that he's one of the better players he's ever gone up against in training. Like the guy has the, like you were saying, you know, he, he sometimes he looks very commanding because he has all the physical attributes really oh, that, totally. that you need. Like he's, you know, he's what, six, two, six, three. He's built pretty well. He's good in the air. He's quick enough. Like he has the physical ability to be able to do these things. It's just what's in between the ears for him. Like I've always said that is just not like, not on the level that we need it to be. So Anyways, like you just said, he plays a lot better with Matip with him. So I think that was definitely a, a big hurt for us. Uh, the good news is Joe Gomez back in full training. He's played with the U23s. I'm excited to see him back in the squad. Who's to say if he's starting quality right now? It's always tough to come back from knee injury. And, you know, even he's never he left, but Joe, he wasn't really a, you know, a starting center back. He played left back only a couple of times for us. So. Yeah, he's never played center back. So I think that's a big ask. Well, well, he hasn't played center career. back for us in the Premier League. His natural position is center back for sure. He's played that with England, uh, not the, the first team, but I think the eight, the 18s and the 21s and the 23s. So listen, he's, he's, I'm still very, very big, even though uh, on him, even though it was a oh, I love the kid. injury. So I'm, I'm just hoping that like he can come in and, and fill in for someone say Lu- instead of Lucas, do you know what I mean? Like we're just, if Clavon oh, yeah. can't get a game, then, then what's going on here. So anyways, guys, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we don't need to talk too much about Hendo had another solid game. Let's mention a little bit about Sean though, because that was just a, a great strike painter i mean he's scored i think four goals now for us and yeah i mean he's just he's, he's coming on he's as much as i personally like to see him in a deep lying role he's been proving me wrong a little bit and yes it's frustrating to see him lose the ball i think sometimes he does a little bit more than he think he thinks he can do because of his size maybe uh he'll lose it sometimes dribbling when he when he shouldn't be going up that far or sometimes he'll <laughs> you know sometimes he'll make an interim pass but i think overall i mean he is very promising. Again, he's still only 22, I believe, so still very, very young. And, I mean, what a belter that was. It was. It was. He cracks me up because, like, you know when he's about to get on a run. And he just starts chugging and chugging. Like yeah, it takes him a while to get speed. going. But <laughs> picking up speed, yeah. picking up speed, picking up speed. And then you're like, oh, he's not slowing down for anybody. And he just keeps going and going. <laughs> he cracks me up with that. Sure. Chom didn't have the best game for me. I know his goal was well taken, and it was a beautiful finish. Nothing can be out, else can be said about that. He finished that beautifully. 
you know, it was it was completely out of out of out of reach for the goalie. But to me, he, and again, this kind of is the debate we've been having, right? Whether he's a deep lying midfielder or whether he's that more offensive attacking threat. With Hendo playing as well as he has been on average over the course of the season, it's really tough to to put him back in that role and move Hendo up because of the way Hendo's been playing. But I just, I just think he looked well off the pace at times uh, yesterday. I do think, obviously, he finished his goal well. But other than that, I didn't think he really had a commanding display in midfield. And I, I thought he looked off the pace much of the game. So I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, I know he's got tremendous qualities, but I don't know what to make of it. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's, going funny. it's really funny, Hallett. I mean, it's he is an interesting one, right? I mean, I'm definitely biased because I think he's going to be a very important player for us in the future. And therefore, I might be wanting him to succeed, you know, now more than ever. But, I mean, there are some times where you're just kind of shaking your head like, what are you doing, man? Like, what what's going on here? Exactly. It's the losing the ball in the final third, just like you say, Joey. And, yes, he, he has got the pace. He's getting into form. And you can see him improving marginally week to week. But, yeah, he's losing the ball in key situations, which I say the same thing about when all of them like – Anyone notice Wijnaldum in this one? I didn't. Like, yeah, that's usually been the case on. with him. Uh, and and sometimes that's a good thing, right? Where you just where like if you don't mention the player's name, then that means okay, well they just had you know a six or seven out of ten or something like a solid game. But you know, I, I it's, it's kind of well. I mean, I know you do, but I think <laughs> I I think you have to have games where you're a nine out of ten or a ten out of ten or you know some eight out of tens. Like you can't always be the six or seven out of ten. And unfortunately, sure. that's pretty much what he's been. I mean, he hasn't been bad, but he, he just hasn't been good. So, you know, yeah. again, he's one that where he's newly, you know, he's still settling into the team. Uh, you know, that, that four, those four midfield players, you know, now that Lilana back, it was good to see him get some minutes, even though he didn't have a huge impact on the game. I mean, you don't really expect that after coming back from an injury, but, you know, we have these four midfielders playing for these three roles and he hasn't really cement like he's probably the odd man out right now Wijnaldum so uh just like you said it's he's one where he just hasn't really you haven't seen the best of him and and that's another one where I'm willing to give him more time because there are certain qualities that I really like about him I mean the ball sticks to his foot he plays a really nice layoff pass and like really nice short one-two passes I mean you see that he has quality there but again like you know when we first got him really hard to knock off the ball right I mean he's for a small guy he's built like a brick shit house but all really hard to knock amen hallelujah but (laughs) if that if that front three isn't clicking like he's nowhere to be found and the guy really fought for what happened 70th minute and later, like where was the leadership from Henderson? You know, you'd say Hendo had a great game. Great shout. I didn't even think about some that. Some people said end of the match. I, I didn't get that at all. Like that side needed to buckle up and focus. Semi first minute and forward. They needed that leadership from him. And I think he failed the side. You know, I think so. there was, I think there was leadership issues all over the field. I don't think it was just Henderson. I think, I think everybody kind of was looking. Them, right? look, yeah, it does. Whatever. It does. You know, I know think who would have said something? Sako. Oh, here we go. I'm so bummed. I'm still so bummed. I'm still so bummed about that. Anyways, if that's my one knock on Hendo, and he's had a great season, and he's been, uh, I mean, he has been a good captain. I just, like you said, Jeff, that leadership to really kind of lift a team or get people sparked up, like, I just don't really see it. Now, maybe it's because he's still really young, but. Let's go ahead and move forward, guys. Uh, you know, the midfield's always – it's always interesting to talk week to week about the midfield because you never know what's going to happen. But let's go ahead and talk about the front three. Uh, I think 
Mane had had a pretty good game and assist and a goal and beautiful ball by Chon, but that was a great run, a great movement by Mane for that goal and a nice touch to to sneak that past the keeper. I mean, Boric had a, a, I mean, just not a good game clearly. And but listen, I mean, great great run by Mane, great finish. So I'm really upset because my guy to look out for last week was Firmino. I thought he was going to get a brace. Uh, I know he's coming back a little bit from an injury, but man, that was one of the the worst games I've seen him play in a red shirt. Yeah, I, I, Joey, if I jump in, I think Firmino looked like he was injured. Um, I, he wasn't running nearly the way he would, he normally does. I thought by and large, the front line played well. I mean, obviously you've got Mane with a tremendous individual uh, run, uh, and touch for the first goal. And then Origi's shot was just absolutely insane. I think seven uh, degrees or something that he yeah, put that it, in was just ridiculous. I mean, we were sending pictures back and forth on Sunday after that goal, and I was just like, wow, like that that takes some skill. And he hit it with pace and power uh, and tucked it, you know, in that far uh, the far panel. That was I mean, an it was outside awesome. to inside curl with the right foot yeah. on the right side of the goal. Like oh. The fact that he fit that in there was – and it still went away. Like the defender could have gotten there if it was a left-footed player trying to curl it in. Yeah, like that it was really, going the other was, way. I mean, that was that was ridiculous. That was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, all in all, I thought the front line did enough to get us the the three points, but it it still, you know, Origi. I I thought after two nothing, I thought at this time you take Origi off, you put Lalana on, and somebody that's just gonna harry and press and run around with his with his head cut off. I know that was early in the first uh, first half, but if you you know coming in at halftime. You maybe want to make that sub and just basically shut it down, right? Um, get people that are going to, you know, press defensively and, and, and run after it. Because as good as Origi is, um, and as much as you know he is going, uh, as good as he is going forward, I I still think he's more in the Sturge mold than the Firmino mold when he playing uh, when he's playing up top, where he's going to do the necessary bits, but he's not going to be the out and out you know, work rate guy that Firmino is or Lalane are. So I thought the front line played good enough to get us the three points. I didn't think it was the right tactical decision by Klopp to keep him on throughout the whole game. But I understand after they started scoring, you're kind of saying he's a big presence up there and there wasn't really much on the bench other than Lalana. Uh, you could have, you could have argued you bring Woodburn on, um, I also thought that when Mane picked up that knock and you had to take him, uh, we had to take him off a couple minutes later. I thought that basically gave Bournemouth the 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 license to run forward and say, okay, well, the you know the fast guy is not in the not in the front line anymore. We don't have to worry about that, so we can send more people forward. So, all in all, I thought the front line played well, but <clears throat> definitely was off the pace compared to how we usually play. And that could be down to the injuries that you know that we sustained up there. You know, with Coutinho, obviously, but Firmino had a knock, and then obviously Monty picking up, you know, a knock uh, in the second half. Yeah, that I mean that was tough, and you know, especially with Sturridge out too, not being able to, you know, you have to have Woodburn on the bench too, which isn't a terrible thing, but you know, it just shows that we might need somebody else for sure in January, especially with Monty gone. Uh, Jeff, any any notes on the front line there? Yeah, just Firmino should not be playing off the left. I think that's the lesson learned from that. Keep him in the middle. Um, if anything, you pull Origi off after his goal. It sounds weird, but uh, like it's an either or. I think for me, Firmino needs to play in the middle. He's great. He shows the pressing, and I, I don't think he's as effective on the left. 
Mane had a decent game, obviously the first goal, but uh, it was also his assist to Jean that led to his screamer. So nothing wrong with that. His pace challenged them up and back. I mean, it really wasn't the, the front front three that produced this result. It's obviously the back, uh, the midfield and, and, and further back that ship four solid goals and three of which in like 10 minutes. So uh, very few complaints about the front three. Yeah, and that's been the one kind of shining light. I know it's been sort of a negative pod, but we're scoring goals. We just need to stop them from going in on the other end. So, guys, let's go ahead and move on to our seat index ratings of the week. Painter, what do you got for me, positive and negative? Oh, wow, I got a lot of negatives. Um, <laughs> not so many positives. I got to say, uh, my my positive seat index has to be uh, Rejay's goal. Uh, I give that a 9 out of 10. Uh, not Origi's play throughout the entire game, but Origi's goal was uh, world class in terms of you know the angle he hit it from, the pace that he showed getting behind the defense, the move he put on the goalie, and then the angle at which he threaded that into the side uh, the far side panel was just absolutely fantastic. It was uh, something that I jumped up out of my seat. Um, I think everybody that I was around jumped out of their seat. We were dancing and hugging. So has to be a Rigi for me, 9 out of 10 on that one for sure. The negative seat index, boy, I could have went a lot of different ways on this. Um, but I'm going to have to give it to Karius. Uh, I've been very outspoken on this pod <laughs> about Karius and his performance. And I have to say that – it. If it's not him that gets better, then you got to bring Mignolet in. If it's not Mignolet, then Karius needs to step up um, because in order for any team to win the Premier League or even finish top four, you need somebody between the sticks that is going to win you points. Um, and right now, we have yet to see a goalie on Liverpool win us any points on their own, uh, a la David, uh, you know, David De Gea. Uh, Peter Cech, uh, Hugo Lloris, those types of individual efforts that get points for their clubs in games where everything's not firing. So for me, Karius, and uh, I hope he uh, picks it up next game if he's in, and I hope if he's not in, Mignolet steps up and uh, wants to take the title back. It's going to be an interesting story with the goalkeeper heading forward. Jeff, what do you got? For my positive seed index, it's Nathaniel Klein. Despite the shit pile that the back four were and, you know, midfield to a large extent, Klein throws in a consistent shift every single week. Uh, he's a phenomenal right back. He is showing what the rest of that back line should accomplish. And poor uh, Matip wasn't in for this one. And couldn't be the beard to Lovren, who is uh, very easily my negative seat index. But, you know, big ups before I get there to Nathaniel Klein. Like every right back in the Premier League should be looking at him and his consistent effort that he puts into each and every week. So love that. Can't get enough of it. And then on the back line, Dejan Lovren. Uh, I've lost that Lovren feeling, and it ain't coming back. you, you got to ship him somewhere. <laughs> Whether you send him back to Croatia or to the moon or I, I don't care where, get him out, already shipping Sacco back to France or wherever. Van Dyke, bring the author. You can bring him to want them in the, in the back line. That's how we win the league is getting him. 
Yeah, I mean, good shout for Sean Klein. He's not going to give you an 8 or 9 out of 10, but he al- he's always going to give you that 7 out of 10 performance. I mean, he's also, I think, created the most chances out of any fullback in the Premier League. So, I mean, he's, he's continued to, to be a very, very solid player for us. I mean, just imagine if we had someone with the likes of Glenn Johnson at the end of his career. Yeah, I was just going to say Glenn us, Johnson. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, we, we've been we've been very lucky to be able to have a, a solid right back, you know, arguably the best in the Premier League right now. So, my positive was, was like, you guys, I mean, Origi's goal was, or like uh, Painter's Origi's goal was just nasty. Sturridge is injured, Coutinho is injured, and you have Origi for a reason. And I know a lot of people were afraid he wouldn't produce, but he's he's really come in and made a difference. And, you know, I think he's just getting better and better and better, especially since Klopp got him on and, and Bubach got him on whatever workout regimen and diet or whatever. I mean, the guy's a beast and he's just continuing to fill out and, and – he kind of has all the the natural qualities that you want in a center forward. So hopefully that continues. My negative was it's a little bit biased uh, for Mino. I know he's coming back from an injury, but I, I just thought he had a stinker. And I'm just biased in the fact that I think he's one of the best players in the Premier League and still is underrated. But I just I kind of want him to continue to show it on a uh, consistent basis, including scoring more goals. So kind of a bummer that that he he wasn't on his best form yesterday. All right, gents. Um, we're going to go ahead, and I do want to get your score predictions for the West Ham game. We are actually going to do a West Ham preview with the Davis brothers, Jack and Nick Davis, tomorrow for the Get Hammered Football Purist podcast. We're going to be doing a preview with them. But, guys, I wanted to just get a quick thought on the West Ham game and score predictions. Hallett. Score prediction for this one. I think Liverpool show back up after being embarrassed on the road at Bournemouth. I'm hoping – well, Matt Teep will be back in the side, so he will function as the beard for Leverin's mistakes. Leverin will look amazing again, and we'll be singing his praises in the next pod. So I think we have renewed focus, and we have a clean sheet because West Ham have been consistently ineffective in the final third, and I think we're able to get two goals. So I'm going to keep my 2-0 win prediction, which we achieved in this last one just in the like 20th minute or 30th minute or something. So that was quickly obviously removed from all the weakness from the 70th minute on two nail for this one for me. Hopefully it happens. Clean sheet, pretty hard to do for us. Painter, what do you got, man? Quick thought on the game and then score predictions. Yeah. Quick thought is boy, it's two wounded animals coming in, right? I mean, West Ham has been awful and I'm sorry, Nick and Jack, but they've just been, you know, piss poor and, Billich is under pressure to get uh, to get results, and their team is you know 17th in the table. Um, they're in a relegation battle uh, after the season they had last year. Are you kidding me? They still have quality all across that team. Uh, Andy Carroll came back and got um, got 20 minutes at the weekend. Uh, he'll be back probably in the starting lineup since. I think he had a header off the post. Boost. Actually, someone hit a, po- hit yeah. a post, and then he came back. He scored. Better. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. scored. He scored. Um, and uh, so you know he's going to be starting, and he always caused us problems, <clears throat> even when he was <laughs> on Liverpool. On Newcastle, yeah. <laughs> no, he he caused us problems too. When, oh, he, when he was here, us. when he was on <laughs> Liverpool, yeah. that's what I meant. Um, so I, you know, I definitely think we'll ship a goal uh, just because that's. That's what we do, uh, especially against big, strong, powerful forwards like we did uh, at Bournemouth. So I think uh, we get back to scoring ways. I think we, you know, Lalana comes back in. Firmino has a week to rest. Matip comes back in. I think we're a much stronger side. 
I think we ended up, you know, we're at home. Uh, the Anfield crowd's going to get behind uh, uh, the players and the team. Uh, I think we come out of there with 3 1 win. Fair, but I yeah. definitely think we ship a goal. Oh, yeah, no, I, I do too. I think we ship two. Uh, with, you know, Antonio's in there, Carol's in there. If they both start, I mean, those, I think Antonio has six goals this season. I think they're actually all headers. Uh, and uh, Andy Carroll, obviously a threat in there. And we're just not very, un- un- unless Motip comes back in, which hopefully is, is the case, you know, we're not the greatest uh, in the air, especially at s- defending set pieces. Pyatt's been a little unlucky hitting the woodwork three times, but uh, I think he's like the most crosses in the Premier League. Hopefully we'll, we'll keep scoring. Hopefully Lana comes in and provides a little bit. Uh, hopefully Firmino gets a little bit better. I think it's going to be three, two. Uh, I think we'll just sneak out of there, hopefully with a, with a late goal. So, Gents, appreciate you getting on. Hallett, where can we find you on Twitter? And also, everyone needs to listen to Cafe Football and Stoppage Time. I know Hallett's on both of those, and, and Jimbo's on that. So please give those pods a listen. They're awesome pods. So where can people find me? It's Jeff underscore Hallett on Twitter with two L's and two T's. And just as Joey mentioned, Cafe Football, our latest two-part series of Steve Nichols' five league titles and a packet of crisps book uh part one was the thirty thousand foot kind of detailed view of the book itself part two is coming up soon where we're going to have and this is a new development we're going to be fortunate to have both steven steve nickel himself as well as his co-author mark donaldson both from espn who are going to join our pod we are ridiculously excited about it yeah like the creation how they how they wrote the book uh steve stevie getting into his background and the great story that he has so many ideas that came out of the first pod that we're going to recycle for this one because, you know, getting his feedback on some key questions is very important. Looking forward to it and uh, expect that one out, uh, all of the football purist listeners, within a couple weeks. Awesome. And Brian Painter just actually wrote an amazing article on footballpurists.com about FSG. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Painter? Yeah, that's a tough one to follow. Stevie Nickel on a podcast. Um, <laughs> excellent. I can't wait for that one, Jeff. It's going to be amazing. I wrote an article on FSG, their, their first six years in charge of Liverpool and, and some of the, some of the financial metrics as well as some of the transfer dealings and really dig into some of the details around how successful they've been. Um, so that's up on the footballpeers.com right now. You can go check that out. As for me, I'm on Twitter at Brian underscore Painter, and it's Brian with a Y and Painter like a house painter, and you can catch me out there every uh, every day. Awesome, and you guys can find me on Twitter at jvishny. You can find us on Twitter at TalkOnFP, and like the boys said, check out footballpurists.com. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on, and as always, talk on. Talk on. Take care, Joe. Talk on, brothers. All right.